Welcome to Documentary First, an inside look at a first-time filmmaker's journey. I am your host, Josh Lindsay, from the Movie Proposal Podcast, and with us is our first-time filmmaker, Christian Taylor. Hey, Josh. And with us, as always, could do without him, hair looking especially good today, Jason Rugg. Hey there. <laughs> hey, Jason. I, I don't know what you're doing differently, but keep it up. I, I don't either. I'm I'm kind of worried. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably bedhead, and then you put the headphones on, and it just doesn't, you know. So yeah. Well, that's one of the issues with I have kind of curly hair, and so if I wear headphones for too long, I get kind of like a curl around <laughs> where the headphones were, and uh, yeah. So that might be part of what's happening here. Um, and then today we have a special guest. I'm going to read his bio here in a minute. Um, but he is part of Living Stories, which Christian's going to tell us all about. Uh, James Mason, thanks for being with us. Hi, greetings. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. So before I get into James' bio, Christian, can you remind everyone what Living Stories is? Yeah, sure can. So we uh, noticed a need to develop a nonprofit to come alongside our uh, documentary filmmaking work. We had been working with Illinois Film Chicago, and they were our fiscal sponsor for The Girl Who Wore Freedom. There were a lot of hiccups through that relationship, uh, and so we thought it might be a little bit more seamless and also less expensive for us to start our own nonprofit. So Living Stories is a nonprofit we established. Uh, Josh Lindsay is on the board of that, as well as Rick Arbazani and me. Uh, but I realized there's kind of a conflict of interest with me owning, you know, two companies, um, one a nonprofit and the other a documentary film company that might receive proceeds. Uh, so I'm going to step away as the director of the nonprofit. James is going to take my place. Uh, and then, you know, again, we have the board to okay all the decisions that we make with whatever money's come in and uh, there's a little bit of an accountability there and a little bit of a wall between me and um, those two companies. So there you go. That's Living Stories. The mission of Living Stories is to support documentary filmmakers and sort of act as a fiscal sponsor to help them make their films. Um, you know, the films we are making are some of those films. So before I jump into James' role, does that mean someone making a documentary film that is not your film could be a part of this? Yeah, technically, that's true. If somebody came to us and asked, you know, would you be a fiscal sponsor for us, that would be a conversation that we would have. But this is really a new um, nonprofit, and we are still trying to figure out how everything is going to work. We're, we're at the very beginning stages, but technically, we are set up to, to do that. Okay. Well, James, where, where are you broadcasting from? And in the outside of the large town of Flora, Mississippi, which is right in the middle of the state in Mississippi, just north of Jackson, our, our capital, at, at home with family, looking forward to a great Thanksgiving. Awesome. Well, I know you and Christian have some history, which we need to dive into, but before we do that, this is James Bio. He is the husband of Aaron, father of Luke and Noah, two teenage sons. Uh, he's the son of Tony and Aline Mason, raised in Tupelo, Mississippi, where he's learning, where his learning and passion began regarding the importance of faith and community service. Professionally, James enjoyed dual careers in education and military service. In public education, he worked as a teacher and school district administrator for Jackson Public Schools and the Hines County School District before retiring 
uh, from the Mississippi Department of Education, where he last served as an associate state superintendent and state assessment director. Whew, he did a lot. But there's more. His career as an officer in the United States Army spanned over 30 years, where he worked primarily in the Medical Service Corps. His active service includes seven years active duty. Oh, <laughs> Fort, how do you say Fort, this? Fort Huachuca, Arizona. <laughs> Uh, the Republic of South Korea, Fort Sam Houston, that's easy to say, Texas and the Pentagon in Washington, D.C., James service in the Army Reserve involved a wide range of assignments across 10 different states working with a wide variety of units in the Army Medical Department. He retired at the rank of Brigadier General and since then has worked at the Mississippi Conference of the United Methodist Church, a nonprofit close to his heart. He is passionate about and deeply committed to his family community of faith at Wells Memorial United Methodist Church, as well as his work with the church and the Boy Scouts of America. Again, glad to have you here with us, James. Thank you very much. <laughs> good job, Josh. Thank you. You made it. But that's all well and good, James. And we want to hear about more of that. But there's something about you breaking into some camp dorm where Christian was there and got in trouble that's what the listeners really want to hear about. Maybe you could share that story with us. All the misadventures of youth and uh, church youth group trips and summer camps. So that was, uh, that was our first, first encounter where we met was at Lake Forest Ranch outside of Macon, Mississippi at a, at a really neat camp that's done a lot of amazing work over the years. But, um, but it's been a rich, rich history since the um, mid-1970s. Yeah, and friendship. Yeah, we met when uh, when I think I was about eight years old and uh, I was there spending, a you know, two weeks at camp. But to do that, you had to spend a weekend. Well, my mother decided to come and keep me company over that weekend. So I wasn't in a cabin by myself. And um, Mr. James Mason and his good friend Joby Collins decided they were going to sneak over. And uh, I think we there was something I've just was reminded of, and that's that we had these flashlight signals. And so I guess I was in on this thing, but I don't really remember that. Next, I just remember them hiding in the bathroom from my mother once they got in. <laughs> so yeah, that's how James and I met initially. We've been friends over all of these years. Um, and, uh, you know, I've sort of listened to his career, watched what he has done throughout his life. As you could tell, he has tons of experience supervising people and um, knowing how to move things along in a process. Um, and so he's just um, very adept at overseeing large organizations. Now, ours is a tiny one, so I figured he might really be able to help us avoid some of the missteps that uh, I've been making along the way as a newbie trying to do this. So James, I really do appreciate you coming on board and helping me out. So James, besides knowing Christian, what, what was your interest uh, in getting involved in this project? You know, it was the, the power of storytelling. I think stories are an amazing and compelling thing that are important to families and communities. And so that that's one of the things that drew me. I mean, obviously there's this rich military history and all, but it all comes down to people and relationships. And, uh, and so that was one of the things that, that resonated was a combination of the, the stories, communities, families, and, and military service. Well, and I think one more thing, James, that I've loved is that you've been very involved in scouting and in teaching younger generations. And I think 
maybe there was a little bit of resonance there as well, um, just passing on memory and legacy and uh, teaching the younger generations, because I know you're really passionate about that as well, right? Absolutely, yeah. So what is the day-to-day job of running living stories going to look like for you, James? You know, if I do it well and do it right, it won't be day to day, right? Because everybody's got certain lanes, you know, and it's getting people in their right responsibilities and doing the right things. Uh, And so early on in this process is is helping to shape the organization, helping to to figure out all the key roles, the different responsibilities that people should have. Because, um, you know, lots of nonprofits make a lot of the same mistakes that are made in the business world. And I mean, you heard my bio, I'm not a business person, haven't run a small business. But it's my sense that there's a lot of similarities there where you get some deeply passionate people who often have a very compelling vision, compelling product, compelling story. And there's a lot of energy and all around it. But oftentimes these institutions or organizations don't have staying power. Right. And they really struggle and they falter. And unfortunately, all too many fail because of having good processes, good leadership, good people doing day to day stuff. And so so I hope to be able to bring a little bit of insight as Living Stories gets built out and begins to stand up and getting the right people in the right jobs so that we can tell more stories and, and impact more lives. So speaking of having the right people, you know, Christian was sharing uh, before we were recording that uh, a key member is stepping down and and just you know how that impacts uh the group and and maybe i don't know christian if you want to talk about that and then james maybe talk about strategies and and how to deal with those sorts of things yeah this is a yet another christian learns by um by her mistakes uh situation because um one of our very treasured team members is stepping away melissa perkins melissa has been like my right hand you know lady Uh, now for about three years, and she's handled a broad spectrum of things from actually hands-on helping us at our, you know, events, screening events. She also then is helping with our bookkeeping and accounting. She helps with our store and the fulfillment of items. Uh, She keeps me on track with 101 different things, and she doesn't just do it with uh, the Girl at War Freedom. She also does it with my other company, Taylor Productions, and she's uh, been helping with Living Stories. So her stepping away is a huge, gigantic hole. And after I stopped crying about that, which really hasn't happened yet, I still get real emotional about it. Um, I realized that I need to solve this problem because she's leaving at the end of December and I still have no solution for this transition. And that started me thinking about, um, this happens a lot in our industry. You know, we have um, movie projects aren't just a flash in the pan, six month thing. They're usually a long-term thing, three years, five years. And a company then has to figure out, you know, how to have staying power in order to get a project done. And in the film industry, um, for me, it feels like there's a lot more drama and a lot more turnover in the film industry than in regular businesses, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, But it just seems like there are a lot of people that have to go, you know, suddenly, whether it's they're fired from the project or uh, they have a family situation that takes them away or whether they're injured on the set. And all of a sudden you've got this hole where that person was. And in, in principal photography, you know, there is some uh, safety net built in. So 
you know, every role will have a backup, like a, you know, a director will have a first AD or a second AD, a cameraman the same. And there is that backup feature built in there so that if something happened to someone else, someone could step up and take that role. Well, I do not have that backup right now. And in fact, if you're interested in helping me with bookkeeping and other sundry items for a couple of different companies, please write me at Christian at normandystories.com. But I was talking to James about where we go from here. And James had some good ideas about sort of how we handle this situation now as Melissa is transitioning out. Uh, and James, I'm sure you have some other suggestions about how I could have avoided this in the first place. Yeah, you know, the, the situation you just described, Christian, is very common and it's common in every organization and business. And so this whole notion of continuity and sustainability is one that everybody uh, struggles with. Right. And so, you know, a couple of things I would say is that you've always got a plan for this from the very beginning. You know, you need to be thinking about that. And, uh, and everybody does it in different ways. There, the good news is that there are more tools and capabilities to sort of help people do this than there ever had been before and very accessible. The, the thing that you and I were just talking about, and I can't begin to talk about, you know, the uh, production side of things. I'm sort of the back office, right, operations and that type thing to give you some insights, but something like, like bookkeeping, right, and accounts payable and, and doing all that. It's a very tedious very detailed type thing. And there's a lot of nuances and things that how do you begin to say, okay, Melissa, you're leaving. It would take her 50 hours to try to begin to write down a documentation. And, and that's not realistic. And it's not realistic in, in most settings. But you know, one of the things that, that I've begun to incorporate in my work with the, the United Methodist Church, where again, you have a number of times where people are turning over, is to begin to do a series of video recordings, you know, just using screen capture software. Uh, you've got free things out there. Uh, Screenrec.com is one. It's a little free tool. I like to use uh, Snagit by TechSmith, that's a, a sort of a paid one. But literally what, what we do is in roles like Melissa has for the bookkeeping, open up, the, if it's QuickBooks, where you pull it up on the screen and you just press record. And then she can narrate and talk about, well, this is our chart of accounts. This is why I set them up this way. This is how we go through and do reconciliation. This is how we do accounts payable. This is how we do accounts receivable. And it's so much easier on the staff person to be able to articulate and just sort of talk through that. And the beauty of all this is once you go through all these processes and whoever is gonna pick up that ball, you might, let's say you have the luxury of being able to do a training session or a Zoom call. You're not gonna remember those hundred steps and those hundred clicks, but with the recording, you can go back and you can replay it. And so, so I've done this in a position that I previously had a couple of years ago and just developed this whole series of videos. And I can't tell you because now the person who took my job has now flipped a couple of other times. And, but every single person who came in just went back through those videos and they were able to see these different things. So, so that's just one thing. So let me pause there, see if you got any reactions or comments about that. I wish I'd uh, heard about that before all this began. That's a great solution. Uh, and now, you know, we can try implementing that for sure. Hopefully before Melissa goes, I really appreciate that idea. I, uh, this brings to mind high school. I was in Camelot my senior year and I wanted to be King Arthur. I didn't get the part, I got the part of Mordred, where they said I could be the understudy for King Arthur. 
which means you got to learn King Arthur's lines and songs and things like that, just in case the lead actor gets sick, I'll step in. I will tell you, I didn't learn one line or one song of King Arthur, and thank goodness that actor didn't get sick, because if he did, <laughs> the production would have been ruined, thanks to me. Um, on the flip side, I was in high school, and no one followed up with me to see if I was doing my job or not, but <laughs> to this day, I get a sick feeling in my stomach when I think about, oh my gosh, what if that had happened? <laughs> you have you have PTSD from something that never happened. That's hilarious. Right. I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, funny. so plan ahead. Have, have contingencies. Have, have, have a strategy of, hey, you're not going to be here one day. We need to know how to train the next person. So that's good stuff. So um, now, Christian, uh, you know, you, you put this not-for-profit in here for the fiscal reasons. You know, what, what other purposes is Living Stories serving or now or could be doing? Well, um, again, that's still to be determined. Literally, we, um, we had gotten some of the very initial things in place. It took a long time for us to get Living Stories up and running. And even before it was up and running, we discovered that there were some issues that needed to be taken care of uh, financially and fiscally and with the state. So we haven't really gotten off to a good start with Living Stories yet, which is why James is here uh, and, and hoping, uh, you know, hoping to get us moving down the road. Um, and you know, I don't know, but we'll see. I do hope that um, really it will support documentary um, storytelling and, um, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Well, let me ask James, James, what is, what is your vision, you know, going forward? You know, one of the things that's going to be in obviously building capacity. And one thing I would mention right here, I think that goes in and I think maybe it, it'll resonate with some of the your podcast listeners, you're drawn to this podcast because it's talking about something that you're interested in, right? And it's something connected to your work. There, you can be very isolated in nonprofit work. And so you've got to make some connections with some type of affinity group, some type of structures and people who can help you do better at your craft. And so that's one of the things that, in addition to things like this, I would encourage you to look at nonprofit organizations. Usually there's an umbrella organization within your state or your region that you could connect into that can provide a lot of rich resources and things for you that you never would even know about because all too often you don't know what you don't know. And so one of the things that I hope to do is to help to shine a light on some things where we don't even know what we don't know, but we're gonna start having some conversations and we're gonna discover those. And then we're gonna come up with a plan. And that's, that's the other thing that I would sort of mention here, another tool that people really need to be involved with and, and get connected with is some type of organized way to do your work, right? Not just putting your nose to the grindstone and working hard every day because most people are working hard, but doing it in an organized manner. And so that, you know, we, we talk, we use the phrase commitment clarification, who's doing what by when? You know, and so some type of project management software, I'm 
uh, fan of Basecamp. It's a very affordable and it even has a free version that most of you could probably uh, find very sufficient to use. Uh, maybe it's Trello cards. Uh, there's a number of those type tools that are out there, but if you don't begin to get organized and document who's doing what by when, you begin to flounder and spin your wheels and things just get away from you very quickly. So, so that would be the, the other thing that I would offer up is, is getting organized around your work and then being disciplined. Don't, don't start texting things and don't send an email and do this. Stay within your management system, whatever that is, because it's hard enough with all these communication channels that we have. You've got to be very disciplined and staying in one channel. So when I want to put on my living stories hat, well, I know I'm going to go to the Trello cards and I'm going to begin to see all the different things that are on my plate or that I've assigned or whatever, but that's going to be our mechanism. So you've got to have some type of process. So James, where, where did you learn your organizational skills? Was it through your educational career or the military? Yeah, I mean, it's a combination of both uh, because both of those fields offer very structured environments. I mean, we have huge institutions in the army built around this whole notion of after action reviews and we have a, you know, we have the center for military history that tries to document all the historical things. And you know, most people don't even realize that all throughout the 20 year war that we just ended, there are historians embedded in all these units, documenting and recording and taking notes so that these things that you can learn them for future generations and they affect the training. So there, there, there have been very sophisticated and complex things in the Army that I've been able to adapt to very simple things in different settings, whether it's in education or the nonprofit world. And so, so as I say that, you've got to find a system and a process that's going to work for you. You know, Basecamp and Trello works great in my context. Maybe not so much in yours. Maybe you've got something else because if the people don't like it, you don't train them on it and they don't believe in it, well, you're sort of wasting your time. So when you, whatever process you do choose to use, make sure everyone is trained in it because all too often, I mean, I got thrown into Basecamp 10 years ago with a whole different group, whole different project, hated it because it wasn't explained well, they didn't train us how to use it. And so as a tool, everyone was floundering and very frustrated. You know, fast forward 10 years later, I think it's this amazing thing because now I understand how to use it in my context and we've implemented things to train people. So, um, so you gotta, once you pick your process and your system, then make sure everybody understands how it's gonna be used in your organization or on your project. Well, Christian, are there, yeah, go ahead. Are there tools that you have used that have worked well and vice versa tools that you use that would you would not recommend? Yeah, well, there are a couple of things. Um, what I did is again, learning on the fly. And I would say the exact same thing that um, James has said, but I learned them the hard way sort of. Um, and I didn't really know I needed to come up with all of these systems. Um, but over time I learned. So we picked um, Google Drive because Google Drive manages all of our media. So all of the stuff we need to store videos and photos and documents and all of that that we share between team members, those are all on Google Drive. Uh, Trello is a tool like Basecamp in a sense that works for me. Um, and that's where we kind of communicate and we project manage each little project, be it it, um, you know, a, a video or a blog post or um, some other thing, social media post, we do all of those things in Trello. Our business operations is done through project cards in Trello. 
And then we utilize Slack to communicate as opposed to texting. Now, right there, I've mentioned three tools, which maybe there is one tool and maybe it's Basecamp that combines all of those things. Um, but, uh, you know, right. And, and we also use Zoom, of course, for all of our meetings. Um, so we're using a lot of different virtual tools, um, and it maybe it's a little cumbersome and and on our team and there is there needs to be one thing that we work inside of all the time but yeah so far we're doing it in several different tools the other thing is that james came in right away there are a couple of things that he brought in with living stories he um signed us up for tech soup and he can talk about that and we looked at a CRM, which is a um, contact resource management, right, James? Is that what a CRM stands for? Yeah, contact client. Yeah, client resource management. And we have never ha had a CRM. The, the closest thing we have is MailChimp, yet another tool that we use to send out our newsletters. Um, but Elio is the one that we sort of settled on that he recommended. Uh, and because Normandy Stories or The Girl Who Wore Freedom has never really been managing our contacts like that, that's a, another way that we haven't been very organized that James has brought in through Living Stories, but we'll probably implement that across all of the companies. Um, yeah. So is there any other tools we haven't talked about, James, that you've brought in? No, I think uh, what you've got right now you're using, is it a constant contact for your MailChimp? MailChimp. MailChimp. Okay. So, and so there's a lot of these different tools and, and you can, you've got to be very careful, right? Because you can get inundated and spread very thin. You've also got to think about the finances because most of these are not free. There's some that have free versions that might serve you well, but as you grow up, right, then, uh, you know, just, I mean, as a frame of reference, I mean, Elio, uh, I looked at a ton of things for CRM and there is literally no high-end limit almost to the amount of money you can spend on those up to Salesforce. This one's only like 28 bucks a month. It's not the flashiest, it's not the most sophisticated, but it offers MailChimp integration, Stripe integration, QuickBooks integration, very affordable, very economical. You know, Basecamp, once you outgrow the free one, it's a hundred bucks a month, you know? So you've got some of these different type things, but, um, but, it's, but whenever you start looking at tools, you want them to integrate, right? Because Elio was very compelling if it could integrate with MailChimp, that it could integrate with QuickBooks so we didn't have a lot of redundant work because when you've got, a, a, a shoestring budget and small amounts of people, you don't have time to be doing multiple entries in multiple systems. This is true. Well, I'm glad you're here, James, because it sounds like this organization would fall apart without you. No offense, Christian. <laughs> um, but someone has got to be organized, right? Someone's got to be at the helm. Christian is the visionary. She's the gatherer, right? That's why you need a team if someone's like, all right, yeah, but you know, here's how we keep things in line, right? Uh, well, and I want to say too, and I've said this before on the podcast, but it's definitely worth repeating. Creatives have a very difficult time in this business world because A, we're not organized. I tell everybody, I think in bubbles. So I have all of these bubbles around my head and they do not line up in any way, shape, form, or fashion. They are not linear. They don't make any sense. They just kind of pop in, pop out. Uh, and a lot of creatives are like that. Um, and it is very difficult for us to stay organized or to explain what's in our head um, so that maybe someone else can organize it. And so partnering with others who are more business-minded, 
um, you know, is always a wise thing because what I've seen in this creative field is if you want to just express your art and be creative and make this thing, but you have no plan and you have no way to really organize yourself or those helping you on your team, um, it's really, it falls apart very, very quickly. And so, um, you know, that was be my big encouragement to people that are listening, partner with people that know more than you that are organized, that are business minded, and that can help you achieve the things that you dream about and imagine. So I'm very thankful, um, not only to people like James, but also Melissa Perkins is one of those people. I don't know how I would have made it over the last three years without Melissa. She's going to be missed very, very much. Um, you know, I've had several people leave up to this point and uh, it's very sad, you know, when they step away and it, it's all the more difficult when you're not prepared for their leaving. So well, that, that's true, I think, also for any organization, really. I mean, you know, whether it's a church or a business or a neighborhood. I mean, my wife and I talk about just some of the saddest things in our lives are just people that move on, right? Because that's just life, you know. People get jobs, people get tired, things change. So, um, but yeah, definitely, in a, if you want to keep a, the shit moving forward, you got to be prepared for that, for sure. Uh, Christian, before we turn the corner and start wrapping this up. Anything else we need to cover with Living Stories or with James? Um, I don't think so. Uh, I do think that we are looking for people to help us out with this nonprofit. Uh, or if you're interested in, in volunteering for the Brave Dutch, uh, that's coming up. We have stuff that we need help with there. Uh, but really, we just need to start adding people to our team again. And um, yeah. I mean, James, is there anything else you can think about advice you'd like to give to people kind of building their companies or, um, you know, figuring out how to being productive in getting, you know, something done? Yeah. The one other thing I would mention is so much of this work is relational, right? And it's in relations with other people and it's about communicating. And all too often we're communicating with texts and emails. One of the things I started doing several months ago in some of my work with another nonprofit is I spent a lot of time driving on the road. And so I started using on my phone a little free voice recorder and recording messages. And it was a way to redeem that time, but also people can, you know, you don't get the feeling and the emotion and the, the nuance in a email or in a text. But with this, you know, I can do a three or four minute quick update on something with an audio recording and I send it to people and the response has been overwhelming, whether I'm doing it with work or nonprofit, people are like, got it. That's I, I, did, I didn't really understand it before, but now I know what you mean. And that makes a lot of sense. So I want to encourage you that if, if communication is a challenge, I'm going to tell you, every organization I've ever been a part of, communication is a challenge, right? I think that this offers a very simple, no cost, easy way to create more effective communication and in, in doing that. So, so that might be something that you want to look to uh, incorporate into some of your dialogue when you're working in an asynchronous manner and you're trying to get something done at midnight and you don't want to wake somebody up. Or, I mean, it's just, just a little, little technique that I found. That's awesome. Thank you for that. Christian, what, what updates or things do we need to know or remind people where to go? to check on Girl War Freedom or the, the Brave Dutch? Yeah, not a lot has been happening. I think uh, everybody's taken off this last week. So there's really nothing new to update people on, on the Girl War Freedom. Unless you are interested in purchasing a DVD, you can email me at christian at thegirlywarfreedom.com. 
and uh, the Brave Dutch is still standing by. We're doing research, but uh, my Dutch people are really struggling over in the Netherlands. Uh, we've just found out they're about ready to lock everything down again. It's the worst um, COVID situation over there that it's been since the pandemic began. So if you are a praying person, please pray for our Dutch friends over there as they struggle with COVID. Um, and yeah, so our, our work's really been on hold for this week. Uh, not a lot to report there, but you can always go and watch the film on Apple TV. And it is coming to Voodoo soon in January. So if people have Voodoo there, they can watch it there. And that's about it for me. Awesome. Well, James, thank you for being a part of today's podcast and and uh, taking over for Living Stories. We're really thankful to have you here today. All right. Appreciate it. Yeah, and, thanks, uh, guys. Thanks to our listeners for listening to Documentary First, where we believe everyone has a story to tell and you could be the one to tell it. Yes, you can. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Documentary First. We really appreciate your partnership with us. We can't do any of this without you. So thank you so much for listening, for donating, and for following along on our journey. If you are able to make a donation this week, we would really appreciate it. We are supported by donors who give us $100 or less, so anything helps. Also, if you're able to share the news about The Girl Who Wore Freedom with your friends and family, please do that on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or email. And sign up for our newsletter at thegirlwhowarefreedom.com. Please go to thegirlwhowarefreedom.com slash donate to make a donation today.